Um, I wanted to pick a really exciting episode for you. So I was like digging through the archives of research that I have. I'm like, what do I have? What do I have? And I was like, what's a really like fun episode we've done in the past? And I was like, the Nahani Valley. So yeah. I, <laughs> I was going through all my old notes and I stumbled upon this and I was like, what is this? I have the Bermuda Triangle. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I've got the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> and Stop. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, it's going to be so good. <laughs> so we are going to cover the story, the lore, and the disappearances surrounding the Bermuda Triangle. Because we kind of referenced it on one of our previous episodes. I don't know if you remember that when I was talking about that like History Channel presentation I got. And yeah. they were like, we've got a new show. It was like, yes. it was like Mysteries of the Deep, the Bermuda Triangle. And you're like, I want to go. Uh, yes, I honestly was this like, is, you're going This is going to change your mind. No, it's gonna, this is going to change your mind. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, I knew there was a reason I didn't want to go there. It's this. Oh, my God. I'm so But excited. I actually, I don't know. I didn't know very much about the actual history of the Bermuda Triangle because it goes back a long time. But I thought this would be great to pull up. But before we do, should we just say hello, Creepers? Welcome back to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas Dean and Stu. Hello, Welcome back, everybody. Creepers. <laughs> We've missed you guys. We've missed you so much. Thank you so much for all of the recent support. I know we thank you almost every week, but it's because we love you every week, you know? Absolutely. Our I love really, grows I stronger is, each week. It does. <laughs> and whenever we take a week off, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, real quick. I'm yes. going to share this with you, and I'll share this with the Creepers. There was some neighbor drama at my place <gasps> a couple days ago. I don't know if I told you this, did I? No, I don't think you did. I, I knew you would eat it up if I told you. So I know we're not supposed to swear, but I'm going to have to swear for this story because basically (laughs) I'm sitting here. I'm chilling at home in my bungalow. And this woman from across the street comes barreling over. And we have like, it's LA, we have like metal like doors basically. Yes. And I just hear like the banging on the metal. I thought it was my door. And I was like, they're coming. They're coming for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was was her to my neighbor. (laughs) I was going to say, are you part of an HOA now? No, not no, that no, I've no. Told. Or like a condo <laughs> building. Okay, good. <laughs> oh god, no, I don't know. I don't know what bungalows are technically like categorized under, but yeah, no, no, we're certainly not a part of like any. Although it is a very like intense communal vibe here. Like I know all of my neighbors. They've introduced themselves. Specifically, this guy across the way, this like older man. He's retired. And he's so nice. He's just like, he was the first person to introduce himself. He's so sweet. She comes over. She's barreling through, banging on this guy's door. And I, I'm, of course, my ear is straight to the window. I'm like, how now? What is here? <laughs> and she, and he opens the door, says nothing. And she goes, you mother bitch. And I was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> she goes, you mother Oh my god! And you're like, I cannot. (laughs) Well, I was like, I'm like, what could he have possibly done to upset this woman? (laughs) I just made myself twitch saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, "Don't you ever talk to my daughter again?" And I'm like, "The daughter? I know." And he he wasn't fighting. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't fighting back or anything. So I was like, and then she goes, I forgot what she bookended it with, but she was. She just said it again. She goes, "Mother." And then she walks across the road. And I was like, what could he have said to the daughter? So I'm like putting two and two together. Because across the street, there's a big family that lives over there. But their cousins and stuff must live in the area. Because there's so 
many kids that live across the street. And they're all like 9, 10. And I live on like a very quiet residential street. So they're Mm -hmm. always in the street, like on their bikes and scooters. They're like playing, right? I can definitely see a scenario where like maybe one of them was like riding their bike or like doing a bike trick near his car or something. And he like yelled through the window. But this woman came over and she just annihilated this man. And I was was so in it for the juice. Oh, Stu. Oh, my God. Wait. Okay. This is a great topic because I feel like people are split on this. What do you think about adults yelling at children? I'm for it. You're for it. Okay. I'm (laughs) against it. (laughs) I mean, I think this is also like a personality trope of mine where I like to play the role of like the cynic, the the child hating cynic. That's not really who I am. But I just find it so funny. Well, specifically, let's talk about the age, right? Yeah. Anywhere from, like, the 9 to, like, 13, 14 age middle school, justifiable. Teachers are yelling every (laughs) single day, and with good reason. Yeah. With good reason. But I actually don't know the context of this, so I'm making up that story. It could very well have been that he is the person in the wrong, and he did something or was saying something to the daughter. I just can't imagine it because this guy... He's like a goofy old man. Like he wears these glasses that like make his eyes look four times the size. And he just, he watches Star Wars all day. I hear it through his windows. Girl, he might be a wolf in sheep's clothing though, because I, <laughs> there is a guy in my building that notoriously, he, he looks, he's an older gentleman. He looks so mm-hmm. unassuming. He hits on all the young women in my building no. and leaves notes. <gasps> and like they're, they're, I know, I mean, I could crack him over my knee. I mean, it's harmless. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you never know. Like, I, in the best moment, I'll never forget this. I have a, and he uses the same kind of post-it note every time I have the post-it note. And I'm looking at it, just shaking my head in the elevator. And another young woman gets on the elevator with me and she goes, no. And bleep this out. She was like, no. on the floor. He sends them to you too. And I was like, wait, what? And then the elevator opened and both of us went to get out. He had left another post-it on one of the apartments, like right in front of us. It was, you see, w- some would say this so is romantic. Insane. I know. <laughs> so <sad. laughs> he it's really giving cares. Carl Tanzler. <laughs> it's so Carl Tanzler. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was, are you not into that kind of juice? Like that drama was happening. And I know. I, I had my hand on my heart, clutching my pearls. I was like... I sense trepidations of the devil outside my door. Neighborhood drama. Um, Neighborhood like, <laughs> drama is the best. It's juicy because it's you have context for those people. It's the you could ever get. Yes. Because they're, kind, they're kind of strangers, but not strangers. Like, you know them, mm-hmm. but do you really know them? Mm-hmm. We'll do a whole episode on Sinister Neighbors, but I just wanted to start us off with that story because I couldn't oh keep it in gosh. anymore. I had to tell somebody. Is your home starting to feel more homey? Does it look more homey? It looks very homey. It does feel very homey. I'm hosting a movie night tonight. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. What are you what are you gonna watch? I don't know. I, it's gonna be a horror movie, I think. Yeah. I was course. loosely pitching <laughs> Carrie. Carrie would be fun. That would be fun. Have you seen Hereditary yet? I saw Hereditary. Oh yes, yes, yes. We've theaters. talked about this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I saw that and I've seen Midsummer. Um, okay. My sister said Jeepers Creepers, which I don't think Ooh. I've ever actually seen. Okay. Such a, such a 2006, 2007 horror flick. Do you know what I wish they would do is bring 
like a real black mirror feature film like into the big theaters that's actually kind of like horror genre leaning because mm. the one that they did was like not um i feel like that oh that did you watch me. that when it was interactive i did yeah and it was kind of lame that. Yeah, yeah. I was into it for a bit because I'm a I'm a big like Black Mirror fan. But some of the episodes are kind of like hit or miss now. But I I like the idea of that. I think they have got a yeah. really good. Well, it was its own thing before Netflix bought it. Like oh, was Black it? Mirror? Because yeah, because I remember watching that in college, and it was not associated with Netflix at all. It was its own thing, and we had to like bootleg it online because I don't even think you could stream it or play it anywhere in the U.S. yet. It was like. I don't want to say it was from the BBC, but it might have been. No, 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 it, it was. Too... You're you're refreshing me. I think it was British. It for, it for sure was British, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then Netflix hopped on it and they just grabbed it. They just grabbed it. As they do with all, all things, all good things. They do. And then they canceled them after three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's a story for a different podcast. What yeah. this podcast is about is the Bermuda Triangle. Oh my God, I'm thrilled. A spooky place. Um, it's actually, it's going to be really interesting. Going through this research, it's been a while. I was like, wow, people need to hear more about this so we can talk about the theories of what the hell is going on in this place. So yeah, what we loosely know about it, we know that ships sink, planes crash, and nobody really has an explanation as to why. Is it like this environmental phenomenon that causes this? Or is there something even stranger that's kind of going on in these waters? I also wrote after this, so let's dive in from the beginning, not realizing... <laughs> The, the pun I had written in at like four in the morning when I did this research. Um, but I do want to hear your earliest perception and memory of like, what do you remember about the Bermuda Triangle as a kid? When were you first told about it? Have you always known about it? Okay, this is so funny. My very first memory is from The Sword in the Stone, the Disney movie. And Merlin references the Bermuda Triangle. And I remember being like, what is that? And I asked my dad and he told me, it's this place where planes crash. I remember him telling me that. Oh, I thought that would be more dramatic. He turned. That was it. it. Like, his like, eyes glowing in the fire. He goes, <laughs> years ago. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because when you just said, we're going to go into the Bermuda Triangle, I realized I'm like, I'm coming into this so green. Like, I really, that's all I really remember about it. Just knowing I mean, it's a mo- place where it goes down. That's where things like start and stop for most people. They're like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, like planes go down there, ships disappear there, and that's like the sinister lore. But there's actually so much more to it that I had never heard of. And the history was driving me wild because I I didn't realize this goes back literally to like the discovery of America. This goes back to Columbus. Oh, my God. It runs that deep. And it was formerly known, I think, as the Devil's Triangle before it was like properly known and referred to as the Bermuda Triangle in pop culture. Wow. Yeah. So getting into the history, I thought before I could go back to the Columbus era of it, I would just kind of refresh everybody who's not, maybe not, you know, super familiar with the Bermuda Triangle and all of the insidious stories that come from it. I want to tell one story in particular, which I consider to be the breakthrough story where most people kind of latched on to the lore of this place. So, Let's start with, I mean, this is one of like hundreds. There's a plethora of legends here, but I wanted to start with this one because it took place in 1945 and roughly between 1945 to the 1960s 
was when you would start to see stories um, of the Bermuda Triangle in print as like news entertainment. Like people started to develop this like pop cultural fear around the Bermuda Triangle. So this story happened on December 5th on what was to be a very normal afternoon when there was this event that took place. So there were a total of five planes on this day that took off on what was to be this like routine training mission, and it would end in one of the most harrowing catastrophes in air history at the time. They departed in Florida, Fort Lauderdale, from a naval base at exactly 2.10 p.m. There was Charles Taylor. He was the commander aboard the lead plane among the five, and all of the other people on these planes were flight students. I think there were 14 total among the five planes. So they had a set air plan. They were going to travel 56 miles from the base going east as like a bombing training. And the path was ultimately going to go slightly off course because of a small miscalculation. And they would cross into an area of open ocean, roughly known as the Bermuda Triangle. Not only did this instructor know like the route extremely well and was very, very experienced um, because this was mapped out for training purposes, but the logs from this day actually described the flight conditions for the entire course in this area as ideal. So it was very strange what actually happened to these planes. So let's get into what went wrong. So after the team failed to return by 4 p.m. and like 5 o'clock that evening was rolling around, the base knew that something was deeply wrong here that wasn't normal. Um, and one of the last recorded transmissions coming from Taylor to the base, he was exclaiming that at around 6 p.m. his compasses were going rogue, like something was wrong and everything suddenly became useless in his plane. He also made mention that his compass, the dials of it, were like spinning in circles violently. And nobody at the base seemed to know what was going on. So then 6 p.m. hits, the base loses all trace of these planes. They're gone from the radar and the group has effectively vanished. So immediately, assuming that this was a crash scenario, the naval base dispatched three additional planes to the route um, as a search and rescue mission. Things would go from strange to catastrophic almost instantly. With three planes en route to the anticipated trail, um, one of them would also make the same miscalculation and would near the open ocean, roughly where the five planes had just vanished. This plane was carrying multiple people on board, and then while in the air it just unexplainably explodes. No survivors. The remaining oh two saw this, and they would return following this event, never being able to spot any of the additional planes even remotely close to this part of the ocean. So it kind of left this dark and harrowing feeling of dread at the naval base, like whatever happened to these planes out there, it was the result of something going on inside the triangle. So that is probably the most famous story that broke this in the news, like national news, I would say. But what are your thoughts on mm -hmm. that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> it just immediately makes me think of that plane that disappeared like a couple of years ago. And that just, that is one of the most eerie feelings to think mm -hmm. about a plane that kind of just goes down or missing for like no explainable for an inexplicable reason. And I don't know. I always think about the people that were flying the plane, just like mm -hmm. when it, when it began to go down and like when the compasses were going like, mm -hmm. what, what do you even think in that moment? Like, 
Well, yeah, that's true. It's like, can you, I don't, I mean, you probably can't eject yourself. Well, it depends on the plane, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to imagine like what that could have been like. And water landings I was reading are actually much harder than like trying to land even on a place that's not a runway strip. Water landings yeah. are almost certain death because yeah. the impact of that plane, it's like concrete. Yeah, and I imagine, like, these are, like, little planes, and I'm sure to do yeah. a water landing as a little plane, it's, like, the velocity of you dipping down to try to land is probably super fast. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to the plane flooding once you're actually yeah. in the water. Yeah. So, well, the truth is, is that we actually don't even have, we can assume that the planes crashed into the water, but that's the eerie part about this is we don't have evidence of what happened to those planes because the wreckage was never found. The planes just disappeared off the radar and then the planes were never found again. So that event happens in 1945, but if we dip back really, really far, this is what I was talking about with the devil's triangle. We're going to go back to the earliest recorded history when it comes to the Bermuda triangle hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So one of the earliest recorded sightings, I guess, and reports from this area, which it sits at the southeastern tip of Florida. And, you know, for context of distance, they're not really sure. Like, there's no set definition of how vast this triangle is. But some people speculate it's somewhere between 500,000 to possibly more than a million square footage of open ocean. But our first story comes from Columbus, like I said. Um, It's believed that he actually sailed through these waters. So it's kind of a survival story Um, when he was trying to discover the new world and was passing through. And we would go back, historians would go back, and they would realize that at this point when he described all of this in the logs, what he saw and experienced with the crew, this was the middle point between the coasts of Florida, Puerto Rico, and the island of Bermuda. This was the Triangle. So during his first journey across the Atlantic Ocean, it's 1492, the year I was born, Columbus reported a series (laughs) of strange and unexplained sightings um, and events, which scholars would later piece together. We know this took place where we think it took place. And what was the first recorded um, phenomena, I guess you could say, he had these logs detailing the same issues that everybody seems to claim. The compasses were going haywire, but soon everything grew like much grander and much darker. One of the most bizarre descriptions that I was able to find through these, these records in the 1490s during this voyage, there was an incident where not only he, but people aboard the ship talked about stars suddenly moving through the sky, like all of the stars. It was an unexplained event, which everybody witnessed. Everybody could attest to it, I guess in writing at the time, um, those who were aboard the Santa Maria saw the sky basically warping in real time. And it was almost the way they described it. It was like they were treading between this world and something else. Like the fabric of what they were seeing was kind of coming undone. That gave me chills when I first read it. That's so weird. I was thinking to myself, like, did they just like, maybe they were like drunk or something and they were on the ship and this looked like something was moving. But like, that is... I mean, that's really bizarre. Well, it doesn't even stop there. This was just the first 
I guess, incident that happened in the moment. So, of course, at the time, yeah. if you're seeing this, you would believe that it's, it is it is like some sort of sign from the heavens. That's what they thought. They're like, this is an act of God or it's yeah. otherworldly. You know, it defies the principles of physics in their mind. There's no logical explanation. So they thought it was a good omen. They were like, the heavens are opening up to us. So additionally, what happens after this, and this is from Columbus's, you know, report and diary, he made mention of what he described in this event of a glowing round light which fell from the skies into the water this is like far off in the distance off the ship so he believed or actually i guess what scholars believed he was seeing was some kind of like a meteor crashing subsequent events would follow with descriptions of them over a period of days seeing this glowing light like deep deep in the distance emerge from the ocean like appear at the surface and then dip below and then emerge again and then dip below So this all follows mention of another light, which Columbus described to be this like round orb that finally emerged from the the surface of the ocean and would rise to the sky, just went straight up until it disappeared into space. These are the earliest recorded sightings of anything happening in this area, and it's believed that Columbus was the first to sail through these waters. They just had no idea what they could have seen other than something that was a gift from God. (laughs) Yeah. And come to think of it, I guess that might have been the sun had they been drunk. <laughs> the sun was rising. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> but I really well, I think these, I am these so descriptions were what they thought it was. <laughs> they thought it was God. They thought it was the heavens. They were like, it's some That's kind crazy. of like sign. Yeah. That's so funny. I hadn't heard anybody say that. Like, has anybody thought <laughs> that maybe what they were seeing was the damn sun? Was the sun. <laughs> well, it's funny because this is a really, really old um, a statement, I guess, about this glowing orb. But it would resurface hundreds of years later in the 70s. That's a different story I'm going to talk about where a naval ship also saw this orb. There, It's like another survival story. And that this one is, when I get into that story, you're going to flip. That one feels oh a little God. more credible than Columbus because it happened in the seventies. <laughs> but who knows? Who also thought the Earth was flat? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> so let's dive into some of the strange events that kind of followed throughout history, just to give more context about the Bermuda Triangle and what we've kind of pieced together. Now, at this point, the Bermuda Triangle in modern day, it's very well known. It's even studied, and people can piece together a lot of these recorded incidents from history, the disappearances. And it tracks within these waters. Like, they can put two and two together, and they're like, oh, this is a bad place. (laughs) This is a sinister place where things go down. Most of the highly read events taking place, like I said, didn't really ramp up until the 20th century. Um, That's when the lore became something of, like, news entertainment at the time. And I would say the Bermuda Triangle became famous in that way. There were so many, like, disappearances, but... There was one that stuck out to me while I was going through this research, and it was the one that took place in 1918. It wasn't the only one that took place in 1918, but it was certainly the most sizable. This was when the USS Cyclops disappeared. So this is March, and the Cyclops was a 542-foot-long Navy cargo ship with over 300 men aboard and 10,000 tons of ore on board the ship. Now, we know that it sank, we're assuming it sank, somewhere between Barbados and the Chesapeake Bay. The Cyclops never sent out an SOS distress call, despite being well-equipped to do so. And there were many, 
many men on board who knew how to do this. They never sent out a distress for help. An extensive search would be conducted, but the wreckage was never found. And in a quote that I found, only God and the sea know what happened to the great ship. This is from U.S. President Mm. Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) Isn't that harrowing? Oh, so harrowing. I really, what, what, what do you call that fear of like, I mean, I guess it's the sea, but like any sort of like open. Oh, of the open ocean. I know ocean. there's a oh, word for it. Um, I know there is a word. It's on the tip of my tongue. And it's not like liminal space. I know space, creepers, are, very creepers are screaming it right now. They're screaming it into, <laughs> into their phones. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. But It'll it's just, oh, it's so scary to think about that. Like just being out in a i i'm i mean honestly i might even have that fear like just being out in a massive like vast space where like you're just if you can't reach anybody like there's no hope mm-hmm. really are you fearful of cruises have we talked about this <laughs> i'm only fearful of them because i don't want to be <laughs> locked in with <laughs> oh, <cruise okay>. people. <laughs> no we'll do a different case on um yeah <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, Sue, you're blowing our crime cruise, bitch. <laughs> no, crime cruise, a crime cruise would be different. Um, okay, no, okay. I, I, but you know, I'm also, I do get seasick. So maybe that is part of like do you, what it comes oh, from too. Oh, I, I get so seasick. Mm-hmm. Oh no. That's good to know though. Cause when you were going to come to visit, I was going to plan to do like a whale watching thing with you. It'll be good for me to <laughs> put that on the back burner. <laughs> All I'll say is I did one in eighth grade with a friend of mine in San Diego. I was dry heaving for five hours. No. (laughs) I know. Seeing someone seasick is is like, it's just horrible. It's such a horrible feeling. And there's nothing. You can't help them. Yeah, you can't can't help them. It's true. (laughs) So this is what we've got. I do know what you mean, though. I have that fear as well of the open ocean and like something lurking beneath the water that also freaks me out. Now this quote, only God and the sea know what happened to the great ship. In 1941, two of the Cyclops' sister ships similarly vanished without a trace as they went along the same route. What? Bad waters. Something dark in those waters. So as these waters were becoming more frequently traveled for not just military purposes, but also trade purposes, because this is like a commonly used pathway to get things to certain ports, um, slowly but steadily, there was a pattern that was noticed of an unusually high number of various vessels that were either vanishing or being found completely abandoned, and it all took place within these waters. So slow and steady reports were starting to reach the news, but the most damning actually didn't quite come until that 1945 story of the five bomber jets that seemingly disappeared with 14 men mid-flight. They evaporated into thin air. That was the one that broke through. Once the lore of these waters became something that the public could fear and that, you know, news outlets could pitch as like a fear-mongering story, people became obsessed and they were like digging into the archives of history and like tracing back all of these reports of like different disappearances and ships that were, you know, suspected to have sank to be like, how many disappearances have taken place in this area? It is thousands, thousands over the course that we know of. I mean, think about the ones before most history like that was reported as news or, you know, recorded in logs. Like there could have been so many, so many other ships that went down there that nobody knows what happened to hundreds of years ago. Now, during a voyage, I want to go really far back because somebody found this story and I wanted to bring it up because this one's really, really freaky to me. 
This was a voyage in 1840. It was a French ship that was departing from Germany, and it would pass through the Bermuda Triangle. And the only stories uh, that were recorded of this um, that we, I guess, could find in some of the history was that (laughs) there were reports that the compass thing was happening. The compasses were going crazy, and there were reports that were found, or I guess logs that were found on the ship when it was eventually found, of strange lights in the distance. So this ship, known as the Rosalie, it wasn't heard from for more than three months after it departed, but that was not unusual at the time. It was 1840. It wasn't uncommon for ships to go a very long voyage, and they just wouldn't hear back. So the ship was set for Havana for trading purposes. They had this huge, very, very experienced crew on board, and it was going to trade all of these goods. It had wines, dried fruits, spices. They had livestock on the ship. (laughs) So after those three months, no one hears from them. A letter is finally received back in Germany from Havana with a report that the Rosalie was found nearby in the waters off of the area that we know as the Bermuda Triangle floating without a soul on board the ship. When discovered abandoned and floating, (laughs) it was perfectly fine in those waters. It was inspected. There was not one person or body found on the ship, despite the animals still being alive. All of them. What? The ship... The ship was inspected for signs of damage or any, like, confrontation, like it could have been pirates or something like that. Nothing seemed off. There was no damage, no sign of a struggle. Sorry, somebody just called me. (laughs) That scared me so bad. (laughs) It's somebody from the Bermuda Triangle. You need to pick it up. (laughs) It's a a 1-800 number, so it might might as well just be wherever those people are. That's where the Amazon customer service reps work. The Bermuda Triangle. Honest to God. Honest to God. We know you're in cahoots with them, so That's true. This is my this is my one plug, <laughs> creepers. But yeah, so they came on board the ship and they're like, okay, it must have been ransacked or something by pirates. All of the goods were still on the ship. Everything that was being brought over for trading. And there was no sign of damage or fighting. But everybody was gone. It is described as one of the eeriest sights ever recorded at the time because an abandoned ship at this time, I guess, was not very common under these circumstances. And it actually became a story of like, it was haunting to people to think like, what happened to these pe- these men out there? Um, there was no word that ever came in of them docking in Havana or Bermuda at like the two ports they could have. And ships sink at the time. They would sink and they would be wrecked and abandoned, but this was just certainly not the case. Those people were never found. The ship was just found floating in the water. Thoughts on that? (laughs) It's almost like the Bermuda Triangle is like a vacuum where it just like sucks the souls out of the earth. Like it's just like, you're gone. It's interesting you bring that up because a lot of the terminology and the the verbiage that's used when it comes to the triangle, it personifies it. I have this written in my notes somewhere, but it personifies it as something that swallows things. Yes. It's like it's a, like it's a beast, like it's hungry. They say the Bermuda Triangle claimed another. It swallowed another. That's yes. so interesting to me to think that it's people view it as like a living, breathing part of the earth. Yeah. It's like a black hole. Totally. Well, that's actually one of the theories, which I do have a few at the end that I'm going to get into that are really, really fun. I want to hear, after all of this, I'll ask you what your opinion is on what you think yeah. is going down in the Bermuda Triangle. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we can crack other cases, why can't we crack the Bermuda Triangle? I know. <laughs> now, 
after the most insidious and famous event in 1945 that I talked about, it was actually six planes total. I mean, the five departed and then the sixth one was the one that blew up. The event became commonly known, I think at the time, as Flight 19. Like that was the flight mission. The remaining 1940s would see dozens of planes that would vanish within the triangle. And these events were not as simple as planes going down. Planes were never seen again. Wreckage was never found for the dozens of planes. No wreckage, no bodies, no evidence of where these planes went. Nothing could ever be recovered. This was really solidified um, by some of these stories once they all kind of came together as like an amalgamation of the lore of the triangle. And it cemented it in people's minds as like, we can't go there. We this is a bad place. Like we can't fly there. Like it, commercially it became a big problem. <laughs> and although the stories of the disappearances are chilling, I'm very fascinated by them, but I'm more fascinated by the survival stories. You know, the people who allegedly went through the triangle and then came back and the yeah. things they reported seeing, you know, because that gives us the clearest in as to like, what the hell is going on in there? Of course. <laughs> so let's see. Now, Most of the public interest in the Triangle, like I said, emerged in the 1950s and 60s when publications began running stories that were recapping all of the unexplained events where these ships and planes just were erased from the Earth, is what they were described as. Many journalists, they failed to find credible scientists who could explain the anomaly of this bizarre patch of the ocean, which led many to believe the Bermuda Triangle was simply a part of the Earth where the known laws of physics did not exist. But the sightings of those, like I said, who have traveled and survived are much stranger than you could imagine. So one of the most famous ones that I want to get into was the full crew sighting from the USS Kennedy. This is the one from the 70s. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this story is that it is the tale of legend because there are not many resources that you can find online about this and for good reason. And I'll tell you why. What's interesting to kind of frame this event is that... Almost as soon as the Bermuda Triangle became a feature in pop culture, there was like a sense of secrecy that was kind of brushed over it from the U.S. government. Almost like the government knew something that it didn't want the public to know about the Triangle. That, that's what kind of frames this event in the 70s. So the USS Kennedy, it was this very large naval ship, and it was going to embark across the Triangle in 1971. So it was like, they were doing like a readiness exercise, whatever that means, um, kind of near the Caribbean, which would conclude. Ready to die. And then, yeah, I was like, ready for what? <laughs> <laughs> My military knowledge. Yeah. So they would conclude the exercise in this huge naval ship. And the ship is set to head back to the military dock, which is way up in Virginia. Now, while they're on their way back, an event took place, which is one of the most well-observed events of a phenomenon happening within this area. Sailor and communications officer Jim Cov. I did some research. I heard it was pronounced as Kov and Kov. I'm going to say Kov. Uh, he would eventually be like the whistleblower and one of the most prominent men who saw the event coming. Now, these ships had this thing that was called a teletype. Like, it's a teletype machine. And basically what it would do is it would print the fleet broadcasts during a sail, which these were used to kind of communicate from, like, ship to base and, like, ship to ship. That was their purpose. His recollection, which is now published um, many, many years later because this happened so long ago. Um, On this ship, there were eight of these machines in the epicenter of the ship. At 8.30 p.m. exactly on this night, all of the machines 
basically became dysfunctional. They just went berserk. And the reports that were being recorded and printed by the machines, in his words, were just gibberish. It was printing garbage. This was extremely unusual and critical because these were very, very reliable machines. They were quite literally, their primary function was to transmit information and for communication. Mm-hmm. So he saw this and was, you know, he was able to get on the intercom to alert the facility's control, but was dismayed to find that the communications were all going dark across the entire ship. Suddenly, somebody got on the intercom and they exclaimed, there is something hovering above the ship. So... The crew was described to then go, they all went into hysterics because they got up to the flight deck and they were witnessing this all at the same time. And he recalled different men, military men, na- like naval officers on there shouting, it's God, it's the end of the world. As nearly all of their crew, their crew made their way to the top, they look up and they saw something they can't fully explain. Hovering clear above the ship in the triangle was this massive glowing orange orb of light that was pulsating in their words now from his witness account this was estimated to be roughly 500 feet above the ship and the orb itself was anywhere from 200 to 300 feet across and this is corroborated from various reports every single person saw this at the exact same time like this happened it happened they also described that each time it would pulse because it was pulsating the entire crew would feel like a shockwave rush over the ship like they said their bones would rattle and there was this intense vibration that was felt coming from behind their eyes like it was inside their heads 19 seconds were recorded to pass before the battle alarm was would sound on the ship and whatever the men were seeing they were fearful that it was a threat so the men would scatter to assume battle positions and a 20 minute period would pass according to this sailor before suddenly the teletype machines they start working again. So almost just as quickly as they had assumed their positions, the orb was gone and everything's working again. And he was confused to find that the leadership among the crew did not immediately report this to the naval base. That's clue number one. He knew the procedure as this was considered a massive event on the ship and anything that would result in anyone having to go to their battle positions would surely be reported. Like that was a given. Meanwhile, right. an op- yeah, an operator from the base contacted him to exclaim for the entirety of those 20 minutes, the radar at the base, um, which was usually a dark screen with white dots, and the, the white dots would show like where the different ships were. The screen had gone completely white for the entirety of the incident. Compasses across the ship had stopped working completely at this point. And additionally, those who did not assume battle stations... Um, within the ship or away from the orb, specifically the lookouts had to be sedated following exposure to looking at this orb for 20 minutes. They had gone into hysterics. Reports from crew members all over the ship declared electronics and weapons had stopped working. They actually tried to deploy two bomber planes during (laughs) while they were in their battle positions, which they could not. Is that not insane? (laughs) It's I gotta insane. take a sip. <laughs> yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, the Bermuda Triangle not only feels mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like sucking the human souls kind of with it, but it feels totally. like a vacuum for technology. Like, it feels like technology just kind of loses its um, ability the second you kind of enter it. Or, or even yeah. if we're personifying the triangle, like it rejects technology. 
Mm-hmm. It war- it seemed to me. I think of the word warped a lot. Like it seems to be warping mm-hmm. the laws of physics in real time. Whatever yeah. is there. Now yeah. here's here's where it gets kind of strange and why it gets into like the conspiracy territory when people say that the U.S. government knows something about this. So. Over a period of several days after this event, the men aboard the ship, they kind of roamed and they spoke in disbelief about what the hell they just saw and experienced. And there were claims that there were these men in trench coats who came and boarded the ship in the days following to speak with witnesses. But nobody ever seemed to know who the men were. So once the ship eventually does leave the Triangle and they got back to Virginia, they dock. The ship's captain and executive officers got on the closed circuit TV system to speak to the entire crew. This was not normal. This was pretty rare. And they reminded them that the events that take place aboard a naval ship are considered classified information. Hmm. Thoughts on that? Maybe the U.S. knows something. I mean, it is, it is just weird that it's, it's an undeniable event. and So many people saw it. Yeah, so many people. I mean, I think you said every single person on that ship. Yeah. Testified to Yeah. So something something ain't right. Something for sure went down there. Well, of course, like, you know, like rumors spread and people talk regardless of these officers getting on and being like, "What you saw is right. confidential, so keep your mouth shut." Um with that many eyeballs and something that no one could explain, the legend of the USS Kennedy in those waters in 71 marks one of the most interesting and prevalent survival stories to ever come from the Triangle in the 20th century. And there have been disappearances that date even through, like, the 21st century. Like, I think even in 2015, there was a report of, like, two boys that, like, took a fishing boat or something out into the Triangle for whatever reason. Us. It was us. But the boat was found. (laughs) They were never found. That is so weird. Yeah, I mean, well, with all of these stories and recorded events having taken place within the Triangle, I really wanted to, like, dive into the theories. I'm like, does anybody know what the hell is going yeah, on here? yes. <laughs> Do we have any theories from the scientists? Are they weighing in at all? I, you can imagine, like, the theories on this, because it's, it's supernatural. Like, it ranges from, like, paranormal to UFOs. People are like, it's Atlantis. But I wanted to dive into a few of the plausible theories first, just to get your, your POV and hear what you think yeah. about these. So we've got a few. I'm going to start with this one that has to do with the theory of methane gas. So some people believe that methane gas is actually what's responsible for bringing all of these ships and planes into the, into the water um, because it's proven that there are sizable amounts of methane gas that do exist in certain spots of the ocean floor and they can bubble to the surface. If that gas was released into the water and then up to the surface, there are experts who believe it is powerful enough that it can basically warp technology, make things stop working, and ships can sink and planes can crash. And this would happen very rapidly. They estimate just in about a few seconds the effects of this would take place, which could make sense as to why there have been a high number of crashes that have not coincided with distress signals. Because it seems like those who go missing at the Triangle, they don't really call for help, which is strange. They don't send out signals. I mean, it's possible their tech doesn't work and they can't. That's one of the scariest things I think of, like final transmissions, radio transmissions. Nothing, nothing gives me chills more than that. It's so eerie. (laughs) I have such a bad joke that I want to (laughs) make. I'm not judging. Creepers, are you judging? (laughs) 
I, all I could think about was I was like, and that is why you should never fart on a plane. <laughs> Baby, you could mess up. <laughs> you could you could mess up the radar. You could mess up the GPS, y'all. <laughs> that is something a 65-year-old woman from Florida has definitely said on a plane to her children. Yeah. Coming from like North is- Florida, like flying down to Disney. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know that is a deep deep facebook conspiracy theory i know i'm i'm actually upset i didn't bring it to the table i'm sorry i do have this other one i want to hear what you think do you know what wormholes are have you heard of those okay so like wormholes like interstellar interstellar yeah yeah. basically as i was reading it i'm like this just sounds like a black hole but this is another theory that i guess a a black hole is something that definitively people believe well we know it exists in space but a wormhole is slightly different because they're earthly in like their lore. It's it's not proven by science. It's actually the stuff of science fiction, but it's just the same concept as a black hole, but it exists on Earth. It's a wormhole. It takes you some it sucks you in and nobody knows where you go. Okay. Possible. It, I mean, so that's that's part of like the theory is that there's maybe a small one that exists right in the center of the Bermuda Triangle, not large enough that it could be, you know, pulling in land masses and things like that, but yeah, certainly large enough that if you were flying a small plane low enough or riding a ship near it, you're gone. Now, do wormholes, is the theory behind a wormhole also that it like eventually loops into another kind of dimension? Yeah, so th- yeah. exactly. That it takes you either to a separate dimension or it takes you to a different place in time is the theory. Okay. Yes. Okay. Possible. I mean, my issue with that is that, well, I guess that kind of ties into the thought of um, that strange ship from the 1840s. What was it called? The Rosalia? The Rosalie? Rosalie. That just, the Rosalie that just like stayed intact, but the crew was missing. That kind of sits with your theory of like, imagine getting sucked into something and the physical ship is spit back out, but the people are all gone. Yeah, I mean, as we've been talking about it, I've been trying to think from just, like, a logical standpoint, could there mm-hmm. be, like, something meteoro- meteorologically that happens, like, in the weather patterns there? Or could it be an environmental thing where there's, like, something in the actual air that is, like, suffocating people? Or, like, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't make sense as to why they just go. They just disappear. Yeah, well, you kind of like treading into the next theory, which is a little more logical and not quite as like sci-fi as a wormhole. But water spouts are a very real thing that we know take place in the ocean. A water spout is basically like an ocean tornado. Um, and these have been seen, like confirmed to have been seen at a distance in the Bermuda Triangle. So we know inherently there are strange weather patterns that exist within this area. And the phenomenon of it is that water from the ocean... Basically, this sounds so scary. I can't even imagine seeing this in real life. I have to find a video of it. Mm. Water gets sucked hundreds or thousands of feet into the air. That's terrifying. So scary. Yeah. Well, in addition to the theory of the water spouts being to blame for taking down the planes and some of the ships, capsizing ships, um, part of the Gulf Stream moves along the edge of the Bermuda Triangle which can lead to very, very high waves that can easily capsize these boats. And these waves, when we're talking about like how fast they come, there's no warning. They're almost instant and they can go hundreds of feet high. That's so scary. Scare, scare, like day after tomorrow, kind of scary weather yes, patterns yes. out there. 
I was just. But that could be that. responsible for like something that's you know fast and furious. That's kind of coming in and clearing out all of these planes and ships before they can even send out distress signals. It just doesn't really account for some of the strange supernatural elements of like the ship found abandoned or all of these descriptions of the orbs. This is more of like a plausible like weather related mm-hmm. theory that people are pitching. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more, um, I mean, I do I think there's, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's just gotta be almost like, when you think about getting, you know, your cell phone service, it's almost like mm-hmm. there, there's some like just dead area where you go there and something environmentally just like disrupts any sort of technology or communication or like whatever from happening. Um, it's just everything's blanked out. I mean, yeah. surely though, even if like, let's say all of your tech was wiped out, that would that could make sense to me. But I don't know if that would sink a ship necessarily that could definitely take down a plane yeah well i guess but i don't know I if a ship would capsize yeah i get confused like when the sh- like now i mean there's ships that sink there's ships that stay there's it's kind of mm-hmm. like what what is the the cause here i guess is where i'm trying to right i mean i think it could be a combination of several things i think the weather thing is kind of a confirmed element of the Bermuda Triangle so I would never rule that out I think that's definitely a contributing factor but there's a a different theory that kind of talks a little bit more about why the tech might fail and this actually has to do with a gap in the earth's electromagnetic forces this one's pretty interesting so this would make sense um, for the compass thing because there are actually different places on the earth outside of the triangle where compasses have difficulty specifically pointing to true north and if it can't point to true north that kind of spells trouble for a compass because it just doesn't know what's going on. Um, there are places like the Gobi Desert uh, that are well known for causing the same kind of compass malfunction. And likewise, this also happens to be a consistent theme for the Bermuda Triangle. Many people have reported strange occurrences of the compasses going haywire, or like I said before, when they spin violently. That's got to mm-hmm. be terrifying. And while it doesn't always happen, because there are some pilots and sailors you know, who have gone through this and survived or haven't experienced anything, it's very possible that what could happen is these could mess with people's um, directional systems, navigation systems, especially in newer planes and ships, and people go off course. And they possibly go so far off course that they're put into the center of the triangle or some part of the triangle where these bizarre weather patterns actually take them out. So they may not even realize they're lost or in the triangle before it's too late and disaster strikes. That sounds like the most plausible thing to me. I would say so. I can't get over the orb. Well, that brings me to our final theory, Uh which I'm sure you can guess. It's aliens. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no discussion of the Bermuda Triangle can ever overlook aliens as an explanation. And while, you know, there's no reason to believe that <laughs> aliens are behind the triangle and all of these accidents, it would certainly, and they're, they're like an easy scapegoat because so much of this is unexplainable. It's an interesting concept to me, if we're leaning into the theory and believing extraterrestrial life, that they would choose the Bermuda Triangle, this open slot of ocean, as a hotbed for hundreds of years, as a place where they can observe and abduct human life and do so without any kind of real risk of visibility 
Do you know what I mean? Right. I thought you were going to say that um, people potentially thought, like, thinking that it's a deity, like a, a godlike thing that comes down and, like, takes you to the next plane. Well, they did of... in 1492 when I was aboard yeah. the Santa Maria. That's what <laughs> yeah. we all thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I also just don't know why... I guess it kind of um, depends on what your feelings are about aliens. Like if you think they're coming to like conquer or if you just think they're coming because they're curious. And I guess mm-hmm. if you're from the second school of thought, like it would make total sense as to why they would like come to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, they're not looking yeah, to like, it's... yeah, take anything or conquer land. Like, Well, come... they're taking these people. Take the people. <laughs> yeah. But they're just curious and they like, who knows where they go, I guess. Um it's but true. it would we make sense. Open it up somewhere. There's somewhere else. Just yeah. Having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see how that would make. I mean, logically, I guess, yeah, if we lean into that, it makes sense because it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. They're so far away from anybody actually visiting them. And of course, now there's this lore behind it. So people avoid it and don't try to go to the triangle. So if there happens to be, you know, a ship or a plane that's going through there, and, you know, your alien life and you're looking to capture it or capture the people on it. What better time and what better place? Yeah. Now, I'm really curious. I was going to ask you if I can just envision like some really crazy YouTubers. Like, do they go out there? Does anybody go out there and try to like film it? Or have you heard of Not- that? I'm sure it exists. I mean, if you can think of it, it definitely exists. And there are people who do that. Um, but I have not come across that it's one of those weird things where like you know that there are youtubers and content creators who like go to haunted or like sinister spots but there's an air of like safety if if not like disbelief through the whole thing because they're like i'm going because it's spooky but you feel you're going to be fine Mm -hmm. the bermuda triangle feels different because the disappearances continue to this day you know it's almost like people know like yeah we don't talk about that and like we actually avoid that because that place is dangerous whether you believe it's supernatural or, you know, a natural phenomenon, a weather-related phenomenon, it's not a safe place. Right. And that's Which why is why I... Stu and I will be going in a couple <laughs> I of weeks. Say, I knew you were going to be like, and that's why CrimeCon 2024 is bound to Bermuda Triangle. Could you imagine? Could, I think, you know what's crazy, Stu? I actually think, I swear to God, I actually think it leaves from Florida. Like it Stop. leaves from Florida. <laughs> I bet Our you maiden anything, voyage it just goes around the very outskirts of the triangle and we just all look in. But that's what they all think. They're like, oh, we're just going to be on the outside of the triangle. And then your compass gets warped and suddenly you're like, oh, somehow we're inside the triangle. Oops. Oh, my God. I wonder if there's ever been like, I know you said the water spouts, but like mm-hmm. massive hurricanes. Like I wonder like how much of a hotbed it is for like natural disaster kind of activity. Hurricanes are also confirmed. The, yeah. Are, like major, major hurricane patterns yeah. confirmed. So something, I mean, yeah, it must be like, I don't know, just like a tempest type storm out there yeah. all the time. I'm not trying to find out. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> are you wonder... intri- how do you feel overall? Are you intrigued enough to like, would you ever go to the outskirts, let's say, to, like, look with your binoculars. I know. I mean, you know me. I am such a, like, 
I'm I'm a curious person and I would be You're seeking the I'm danger. You're looking for it. You. <laughs> I would I would totally want to, but I thankfully think my seasick inclinations would prevent me from doing that and possibly <laughs> making a really stupid decision. Um uh but I don't know. I do think it is so I mean, when that plane went down, I guess it was Malaysia Air a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Oh my god! Was it a couple years ago? Was or not that... a couple? Maybe it's now been like ten years. It could have been. Yeah, it's it's strange to think that things that happened like 2014, 2015, Yeah, 20, yeah, or not twenty, ten years ago. But it is Malaysia Flight Three One Eight. No, I'm getting that. Yeah, wrong. something. But it's like something that. like that. I mean, um, that freaked me out. Like that really, really freaked me out. I, I just it's terrifying. So scary. I have a a quick story i'm gonna have to paraphrase it but there there is a flight story that i think would be really interesting i don't know if it's connected to the triangle but i kind of loosely remember it being um i'm forgetting the name of the pilot i think his name was frederick johnson or something but essentially he was flying um oh no this was like in australia or something or something like that um he was flying like a cargo plane i think a very short distance but then as he was flying it at night over the ocean he like radioed in and he was like, is there another like plane that's supposed to be out here? I don't see anything that was like in the air traffic control logs. It's like in the fifties or something. And he's like, I don't know that there's any like plane that's supposed to be out here. And air traffic control or like who he radioed at the base. They're like, there's supposed to be no flight like on your pattern, like on your pathway. And he was like, well, there is, there is a plane out here. And he's like, and it has to be like a military plane or something. Maybe that's why it's off the grid. He's like, cause it's going extremely fast he's like the thing is just like soaring back and forth and then he loses the plane and you know the base is trying like air traffic control they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on like who that could be and if this is a threat and then they're like do you see the plane now and he's like it's hovering above me he's like it's on top of my plane like hovering and they're like what do you see what does it look like he's like like green glowing lights And then I forgot what his terror, this is where my fear of like final transmissions comes from. His final words were something like, he said, it's not a plane. And then his radio (gasps) cut out and it was the sound of what was described as crushing metal over the (gasps) intercom, over the radio. He was never found. His plane was never found. Is that Have I just startled you? (laughs) I wish if it was, you'd never see me again. Because that was just it's making so me scary. Think, do they have any of the the Malaysia flight stuff? I they do. I there are remember. some recordings, yeah, but it, okay. none of that is as sinister because they're not really reporting anything strange. I've listened to those yeah. recordings. They're just kind of talking normally, and then suddenly it all cuts out. But that final transcript that was recorded, it's not a plane, and then it cuts out. That that gave me chills like nothing else in a long time. Oh, in a long that's time. so scary. I'll send you the I'll send you the article on the story because it's pretty freaky. We should do a full oh my episode. God, you on have that. to. Yes, I mean, <gasps> ooh, I also I really also find, um, like extraterrestrial or paranormal mm-hmm. stuff from like the fifties and forties, like that era specifically. I find it to be so creepy because I don't think there was like as I I feel like science fiction and kind of like that was the birth of it. Really, was like sort of in that mm-hmm. era. And then people didn't really give it the time of day that, or, or I guess the credibility that people do now. So like to hear that that happened in like the fifties 
Ooh, that's so scary. And no one had any explanation for it. Or they thought that yeah. it might have been. I think what they concluded, they're like, well, it had to be some kind of like a foreign plane or like something. Missile, like some kind maybe. of a threat. Yeah. Well, like They were like a threat. They were like, but still, that would have shown up on the radar. They were like, we saw nothing. And he said it wasn't a plane. And also it was hovering above his plane. That's not something that a normal aircraft or a missile can do. Mm-mm. 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 Uh-uh. <laughs> but Stu, that's all I got on the Bermuda Triangle. Oh is that gosh. not wild? That was fun, that actually, so to wild. dive into some, Very fun. some supernatural. <laughs> yes, and I felt, I have to say, I felt a little bit more at ease because I knew that it wasn't going to be, like, unsolved case. I mean, I knew it was going to be unsolved, but I knew it was going to be, like, a person and this terrible like journey that they had so that was yeah. just interesting to like get into like conspiracy theory kind of yeah uh, i feel i mean episode. we don't usually do those really i feel like we yeah. it's funny because we've talked a lot about it now we've talked about the stories and the theories but i still feel like i'm not in the know or i'm any closer to maybe what i thought was in the bermuda triangle or what's going on there yeah i mean yeah th- there's not enough people that have been there and survived to really testify in recent years, all that goes down there. Creepers, I'm going to put a poll on Spotify with the theories. How about you tell me what you think is going yes. on in that damn triangle? <laughs> we'll see who, who the winner is. <laughs> yes, next week. I need to know because the creepers know best. They really do. They really do. I think I just put a poll out a couple weeks ago. I was like, what's a case you want to hear next? And I think I got to check it, but I think the number one they're asking for is the Night Stalker. <gasps> breath taken from your lungs child i I, I, yeah i need it and then eventually someday i'm gonna jump back on and do jean bonnet you have to yeah you have to reserve that for you that'll be premium content and my only hope for that is that somehow we can get nancy grace to be a guest (laughs) i'll call her people that would be the dream yeah and with that creepers we are going to say goodbye for now. Thank you so much for listening to a Friday episode with us. We love you so much. And we're going to see you next week. Bye, creepers. Bye.